don't try to do black belt shit when you're a white belt. Go through the process. And I wanted to go through that process and it's been, uh, it's been an interesting one. A lot of learning. Welcome to the Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. This is a Soulfire production. In today's podcast, I get to have a very real conversation with friend and mentor, Scott Howell. I've known Scott for nearly five years, and from the moment I met him, his competence and perseverance as a gym owner has inspired me and many others as he's been a guiding light in the health and fitness space. Scott has played nearly every role in fitness, from manager to personal trainer to gym owner to online course creator, podcaster, and much more. His facility, Red Dot Fitness in San Jose, California, has weathered nearly every storm you can imagine during COVID. How he's not only positioned himself and his gym shows his willingness to evolve no matter where you are in life. You'll hear his struggles as well as what he and his partner, Cece, have overcome in order to pivot and stay ahead of the curve real time as unexpected challenges come up. You'll get to learn how having a strong sense of purpose translated into Scott creating his impactful podcast, Iron Sights. He is a testament to what we can accomplish if we continue to follow our heart and give back. Scott's learning lessons around aspects that he was not prepared for that ensued both during and after COVID stuck with me, and I know it will for you too. Through his experience, he brings a holistic look into what he's done today to ready himself, his facility, and his family for any obstacle that may present itself. You'll walk away with a greater understanding on how to prioritize what will leave you feeling more empowered as a protector in life and set up those closest to you to do the same. Get ready because you're about to hear some fire content in our show together. Let's go. Oh, you you asked me two years ago, we sitting here right now, I'd be like, ah, that sounds so fun. That sounds cool. But no, I wasn't doing anything to like manifest that. At least I didn't know that at the time, but I actually was just like you. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, right? It's like we've, in, in, in anyone who's had, uh, oftentimes a level of achievement or any level of success. Oftentimes it's when people see it, they think it was just either an overnight thing or just happened in the last few months, (laughs) but it's really like a lifetime of cumulative experiences and relationships, especially and and reps and successes and failures. Right. Uh, And then by the time something does come out or does kick, oh shit, no, this happened year after year after year of just putting in reps. You got it, man. I mean, that's, uh, it's tough to keep that in perspective sometimes, particularly for, for those that kind of expect to win. Like we're working hard, we're planning, we're putting training plans or whatever in, in motion. When you finally get those wins, like you're just kind of moving on to the next thing. Okay, we accomplished that goal. Let's move on to the next goal. And looking in the past outside of like, what were all the mistakes that I made? <laughs> Not all the successes that I had, because <laughs> we expect to have those, right? But all the, what are all the mistakes? What I'd never want to do again? What I want to watch out for this time? Yeah, how do I adjust? Uh, yeah, it's fun to look back and just be like, whoa. Well, that's something that me and you have talked about multiple times. And it's the the challenge and the opportunity, but the challenge around celebrating what's happened mm-hmm. and like and taking a minute to pause and look back at both the successes, both the failures. But oftentimes, especially when there's a success, 
both of us have had the pattern and continue to have to be mindful about it to just go right to the next thing. And so there's a learning lesson in there. And one thing I'm curious, as you're getting older and as you've, you've played so many different roles in multiple different businesses, from a solo guy to a gym owner, to an entrepreneur, podcast host, and so many other things, like how do you define winning? How do you define success? Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think if you're, you're going to be a business owner, there are certain metrics that need to be measured, right? Mm -hmm. so, so that you can track and make sure you're moving in the right direction, whatever that is. Like there's got to be a goal. So certainly trying to achieve a goal, but the, it can't just be about that. There has, that's the quantitative stuff, but there has to be qualitative stuff. Uh, it's just like when you're in a, your workout program or in your training program for whatever your event is, there's, there's quantitative value that you're measuring or tracking. And there should be some qualitative stuff as well, like your biofeedback, like, well, the numbers say this, but how am I really feeling or how are we really doing? I guess like from a business perspective to, to measure, you can't just check the numbers and, you know, did I hit that? But you have to check in with the people, right? The, the process, like how are the, how are, how is the team? Cause that's what I work with. I wouldn't be here without the team and the people around me to, to get here. I mean, CC and I have worked extraordinarily hard and there's been a lot of changes and things that come along. And uh, one of those things is managing the people and the team. So, you know, success for me is feeling fulfilled. Mm. Um, and if I'm not doing something that feels fulfilling, like, and, and, and I got into this to provide service to the community. And so checking in with the people that being your employees, but also checking in with the people, those which are your customers or the people that you're trying to impact on a daily basis, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis is important too, to get the stories, to get the finger on the pulse of is what you're doing really working or is it mm -hmm. really valuable? Um, so I think there's multiple ways to do that and, and measure that for one's own self. But I think, uh, and I think you have to le reach kind of internally because um, if like, particularly in this business, if you get in this business to make a bazillion dollars, you chose the wrong career path. <laughs> in the fitness game. Yeah. yeah, that's not what we're yeah. doing here. It's really about providing service. So when I get the feedback from people, maybe we talk about that a little bit further in the show, some of the things we're doing now. When I get feedback or, um, you know, somebody reaches out and says, Hey, this really touched me. This really impacted me. This, this has changed my life. In some cases, this has saved my life. That's success for me, but certainly I have financial goals and things for, for the business and the family and, and myself. And you now I'm working on those things continuously. I'm not an expert at any of it. I just, you know, I try to keep one foot going in front of the other and, and, uh, try to stack the wins where I can. Yeah. I love that, man. And I think one of the interesting things that you shared is it's when you do genuinely get that one person reaching out or those two or three people that share their heart with you, like I can't uh, overstate it enough at how much that like reinvigorates. It's like adding in jet fuel to the heart. It's like steroids. It's like steroids. Yeah. <laughs> so if you were good at all, like you throw that stuff on top, like it's just like, yeah, it's a huge boost. Yeah. And that's, that's why we do what we do. Exactly. And, but at the same light, like you shared, without having a, a quantitative approach to business and some of these other metrics, genuinely, like you wouldn't be able to keep the power on in here. That's exactly right. Yeah. I, there's, I think there's along the way with the, with the wins that you get, I kind of describe that. Like when somebody comes to me, Hey, you've, You've changed my life or I wouldn't be where I'm at without you today. Thank you. That's like the biggest paycheck you could ever get from like a quantitative perspective. 
from a qualitative perspective in order to get there and get those wins, the, the thing I think that counterbalances all this is the suffering, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean being an entrepreneur and in, in, uh, in, in the fitness game, particularly in the last couple of years, been a lot of suffering, uh, but not getting, not wallowing in that and, and making that the focus is how do you use that, that challenge opportunity, however you want to put it, put it out there in, you know, your own space to kind of move the other way is, or move the other direction and keep the needle going the way you want or reverse it or whatever the, whatever the case is, is, is yeah, just checking in with, Hey, I did suffer here. Um, but this particular thing, this win that we need to celebrate, which you were just saying, we're just not really, neither of us are very good at like staying in that, <laughs> taking time for that can really overcome a lot of the stuff that can easily, very easily get in the way and mess up your mindset or your attitude or, you know, just your day to day. I'm curious when you do get that person who comes to you and shares with an open heart at how much the program or you, whatever level you would CC the gym has impacted their life. How do you receive that? I think at first I was, it was really, actually, I I will still say, I think I feel like I'm probably still a little awkward (laughs) (laughs) at receiving it because again, that's what I set out to do. So it's like, well, of course, like I'm so happy this has helped you or that, 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 that worked for you in that way. And uh, but I, again, I'm kind of moving on. Like, how can I help you further? Or tell me about what you're what doing now. Do? Yeah, what okay, what like, else can I do? Yeah, yeah exactly. Thank you. And yeah, exactly. Now what? Right. So it's like in, in the now what is, or then what is kind of always again, the, the winner, right. That I was like, okay, I won. So now what do I do to be the champion? Yeah. It's a little awkward still, but, but I will tell you this, it's way more meaningful now to me than it was maybe earlier in my life or in my career, because I have gone through so many experiences and, um, I think I can relate a lot more both internally, but also externally, uh, to a lot of these things. So it, it touches me more now than it did, you know, years ago. And I would say even in the last five, 10 years, you know, as those, those, I guess successes have happened and they've been shared with me. It touches me more now than it ever has. Some of them super deeply were like, I was just sharing with somebody the other day. I got a message. I got this recently had a episode on the podcast that, uh, was really intense and, Mm -hmm. uh, it was really intense. It's some, there's some tragedy and there's some, you know, overcoming adversity and, you know, ultimately, uh, moving on to a new path or whatever. And there's just a lot of stuff in there. And Touched a lot of people in a way I didn't know about, but I, all of a sudden I got into my email inbox and there was like a stack of emails wow. in there and I got through about two of them and I had to do what I call taking a lap, which is I need to take a deep breath because like, I never expected this kind of an impact from that particular conversation. Uh, so yeah, it's, it touches me pretty deeply and there's an emotional uh, withdrawals and deposits Right. And so that's all, it's a deposit, but it also can be a little bit of a withdrawal if I'm being honest, you know, just kind of like, whoa, you know, kind of stops you in your tracks. Dealing with that's probably the awkward part for me. Mm. Like, how do I respond right now? Am I giving the look? Like, do I have the look on my face? <laughs> oh, I, am I like, yeah, the oh shit look, or am I giving the happy look? What look am I supposed to give right now? Yeah. Well, I think in those situations, um, there's really genuinely like not much especially if the person's in front of you, like that was in, in your inbox, but there's really not much that can be said. Nope. Like that's really worth like silence and just like, I love what you said, just being with your breath yep. and just honoring it for the moment that it is. 
and really connecting. And I love what you shared about just the more life experience that you have, that I have, the more relationships, the more that we've seen and talked to people who have had completely different life experiences than, than us or things that we wouldn't even think have been fathomable. Like those give context to when someone does share. And then when we hear a little bit about their story, it's like, wow. And I'm constantly amazed at just genuinely, we have no idea, no idea the life that someone has lived. Mm. So with that said, I would love to take a step back mm. because I've known you now for like five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been buds and you are still remember to this day. Like when I first walked into the gym, we were doing a shoot with yep. Mind Pump yep. and you were just beyond kind. And we're just first things you had said was just introduce yourself. And then what I recall from it was just, if there's anything that I can do to support you, please let me know. Fast forward five years, I've shot Kettlebell Lifestyle here. We've done so much training for for your staff, Mm -hmm. for you guys, and you supported me in so many ways. So in that time, there's so much life that has happened and you've played almost every role in the fitness environment plus in other other environments. I know there's a lot to talk about there, but if you can walk back a little bit, what's the last five years been like here at Red Dot? Wow. Well, um, I think to give context, the last five years, there was 10 years of me working in the commercial corporate world, kind of working for one of the world's largest fitness companies. And specifically as a, I I ran, or it was part of a team that ran the personal training department for 400 plus clubs. Mm -hmm. So there was, there's a lot of background experience. I was done with that at one point. I said, you know what? I'm done. I I really want to kind of chase or pursue my dream, which was to ultimately have my own space, do my own thing in my own way and serve the community in the way that I wanted to with no restriction, have some autonomy and also have some, let's just say some, an equitable return on my investment. <laughs> I, I might've been a little bit ambitious in thinking what I might be able to get out of that. But at the same time, so I started Red Dot Fitness and um, it started very humbly. I basically started as a trainer, like, and I rented space from somebody that had uh, space for me to rent in. And, uh, you know, basically I had to kind of just suck it up and kind of put my, you know, I'll just say proverbial balls on the table and say, can I do this again? Cause I'd done that before in my life. I'd been a coach, but start my business from scratch. I had zero clients. Right. And then it was like one and then there were three and then there were six and then there were 12 and you know, the thing kind of built up, but it got to a point where, um, it was time for me to put my name on a building and, you know, kind of be a little bit more legitimate, if you will, because I had dreams. I wanted to have a, have a larger facility where I could provide and, uh, to, not just the community of clients, but also coaches and professionals within the community and try to, I basically, I guess, provide service to what was, I found was a very underserved market. Mm. Uh, so we did that. So, you know, lo and behold, you know, built, built my way up to, to a point where I could put, you know, rent a building and kind of make it a big, bigger space. And that's when I met CC and my partner. And, uh, there was two of us working in a very small space. It was 600 square feet little sink in the back. There wasn't even a bathroom. We shared a bathroom with other places, very humble beginnings. We grew, we knocked out a wall, we knocked out another wall, we picked up another studio. And so we had these, we were growing organically with plans and dreams to have something bigger. And we knew we were onto something. And then, um, so going back five years ago, five years ago, we'd moved from the space that we had into the space that we could currently have. And basically we tripled in size. So we, you know, we're growing very, very fast. Um, I think we felt pretty prepared for that. And so what that took scaling up the business was a challenge. We were very well planned. Uh, but in that process, in, 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 you know, as an entrepreneur, you're always going to get hit in the side of the head with things. You're, you know, you have to know how to do 
you have to know how to navigate things, but you don't know how to navigate them until you've been forced to navigate them. And we've faced with some real challenges. Uh, you know, you, you plan, you plan, you plan, you plan. Then you, there's all these other people involved in the process now, which is before it was very simple. We have bigger space. We have bigger leases. We have a bigger building. We have planning that we need to go through with the city. We have building we need to go with the, with the city. To make a long story very short, that we had the rug pulled out from under our feet there. And so for the first year, anybody that's in this business that opens a gym, they know that first, that grand opening is critical mm. to the lifespan or and the pace or the trajectory at which you and um, velocity at which you recover your return on investment. Because opening a gym is a huge capital investment. Uh, well, it became very apparent to us very quickly that uh, it was going to be, it's going to take a lot longer to recover our investment. And these were things that were very much out of our control. Can you give a ballpark of what's an investment to to get into in this area? Like we're right down the street from the HP Pavilion. We're right in prime time area. What's the general thought around? Yeah. So, I mean, your biggest, your biggest expenses and any business owner will tell you this are going to be like your rent, you know, cam yeah. and payroll. Right. And so rent in this area at the time, um, we, we were scoping this out for a while. In fact, we worked on the building for over a year. The, the money part of it <laughs> sort of fell apart for us and we had to kind of reapproach the whole process. And we, I would like to say my experience previously put us in a really good position to negotiate a very competitive lease structure. So um, we were able to do that. And I can, I can, um, I can say we started at only two bucks a square foot here. It's wow. a little bit more now, but people be maybe be floored by that. Go what? Cause people across the street are paying five or six bucks a square foot. Wow. now. So we were able to lock that in. It was, we were kind of early to the, to the table. Also, we had to, again, part of my language, but unfuck the building for the owner with the city. And so that ended up costing us a lot more. Probably, probably could have, I would have preferred to pay five bucks a square foot. <laughs> rent than have to, to make that investment. But the ballpark figure, you know, by the time you get in, you know, first, last months, you know, rent, your deposit, you know, you're, you're outfitting a floor. We have about 6,000 square feet here. 5,000 of it is, is equipment. You know, you're looking at about 125K in equipment, you know, with, because we were, again, going from a very small space. We replaced a lot of things, but it's also, I'll call it equipment and furnishings. Mm. You got to put floor in, right? You got to put paint on the walls. You got to have a front desk. You got to have all this stuff. So at the end of the day, and then we put, we want to put showers in at the end of the day, like just our building our build out, uh, wound up costing us close to 250 K. And that was about 25% more than it probably should have cost. I'll just go back to the, having the rug pulled out from under your feet. Um, you know, we had budgeted much less and had to go out and find a little bit more money to do, but that was our cost. And that was for us and what we wanted to do higher end restroom, you know, changing facilities and things like that. Some people might want to go more basic or they might go, I don't need those at all. Mm -hmm. But for us, that's kind of where that was. And then there's capital expenditure. Well, now you got to pay yourself. Now you got to pay your employees that you haven't filled all the butts in the seats. So very quickly, you need to, you need to have some working capital for a while. And we took a very small SBA loan uh, to kind of finance the thing because the the rest of the business, by the way, had been bootstrapped. Uh, so we'd never taken a dollar from anybody. It would, so there was that was new to us and, you know, your budgeting. So, you know, if that'll give you some idea of kind of what, you know, initial costs were, but it's going to be different for everybody, depending on what your, what the vision is, what the situation yeah, is. Yeah. And I think too, like it costs more than you thought, which is usually the case. Always. Start, yeah. Yeah. But, but, I, but by the way, we had already budgeted an extra 20% for that <laughs> contingency, but we're going 25% beyond that. So. Well, in addition to the financial, uh, 
changes that maybe you partially expect or partially don't expect, the time. And then just the amount of stress when yep. all those things happen. One of the things I'm super curious about is what do you attribute or like what skills have you developed with CC to mm. be able to, because you guys are obviously business partners, but you're also uh, personal partners, uh, an intimate relationship. And so I grew up in a family business. And so mm. there's beautiful things about having a family business. And then there's a lot of inherent challenges working all day all night sleeping in the same you know yep. house as someone so what was that like and what skills did you guys develop to, um, to work well, through this i'm going to start by answering that question by i am extraordinarily lucky lucky and fortunate to have cc in my life for many many different reasons um and the stuff that you go through is either going to make or break the relationship uh, and it would be i mean having relationships is hard anyways work you know <laughs> like hard is relative but it's work and so skills gain were first, we were, you know, we had done this at a, at a lower scale with still always having the stress, but right from the get go, when we sort of met one another and started working together, like that stress existed. And we both were very, very acutely aware of how the other dealt with that. Mm. Um, and that certainly is an advantage, right? The other, the other advantage is we didn't just walk into this. This, this is like, oh, this is a hobby. We're trying to turn into a business and we're learning all these things all at for the first time. Both of us had had professional careers previously and had uh, lots of experience in other things with people and challenges and adversity, both in life and, and being a professional. So, um, I, and I think both of us had done a pretty good job at dealing with those things as, as they'd come up. So when, you know, finally we're doing this bigger project and we're just feeling like you're just getting, you're, you're late in the rounds, man. You're just taking one punch to the mouth after another. <laughs> We really had to, and we were trying to do a really, and credit to her, taking a step back because I am the guy that will put your, put my head down and nobody will outwork me and I will not be distracted and step off the tracks. The train is coming through. We're going to get this done and I am not going to lose, you know, kind of thing. There was a lot of that for a while. It was like, you're down, you know, you're down inside your own territory with two minutes left. Like you better get your act together. You can't be tired, whatever. And and I think in relationships, there's probably one person like that over the other. Cece was very good about sort of at times letting me have my space to do the things that I need to do, work very concentrated. And we still do this. She'll know like when I'm in the zone, like, you know what? He's in the zone. Let him, because when he, he's like that, or when I'm like that, she knows I'm extraordinarily productive and eventually I will come up for air, right? Uh, the, the, the timing on that isn't always... Uh, necessarily acceptable to the other party, right? Like, no, we, I need some time from you now or whatever. And so she was always very good with checking in. We certainly had our challenges, but she was also like, Hey, this weekend or on Friday, we need to schedule a date night. You know, we need to get away for the weekend or, you know, we need to be social or, um, we need to do nothing. We need to Netflix and chill, you know, kind of thing. And she had to beat me up about it a little bit, you know, at times, but, um, so there's that. And then there's coming home at the end of the day and sitting across from the table, the dinner table with the person that you've just spent all day with. I mean, we're literally together 24 seven, right? And knowing what the other person has gone through is actually an advantage mm. because, you know, versus you're going to work and you just had the worst day of your life and your partner comes home and they had the best day at work, you know, whatever. And you're in two totally different spaces, two totally different energies. Um, I think we have a distinct advantage and we've learned, you know, how to be aware of what, you know, the situational awareness of where that other person is and how to approach those things. And also 
understanding that it, we, we've also come to an understanding that even when we are in those space where we're trying to kind of get away, each of us, our business brains are always still working. Yeah. That's what I'm curious about. Yeah. How was it? Were you, what was it like shutting off or could you shut off? Or no, you, no, I never shut off <laughs> ever. So the only time I do that is when I get into nature and, mm. you know, I put the phone away. I'm on my mountain bike. I'm on my, my road bike. I'm hiking I'm camping, um, you know, just fishing, whatever. Those, those are the things that help me shut off. And I know that. Um, so because no, I never shut off. Um, and for her, I think she, you know, she handles things a little bit differently. She, she can do that. She's way more skilled and talented at it than I am where she can go, Nope, we're, we're done. Right. Um, and she'll move on to the next thing or she'll just say, Nope. Like, and she'll just flat out say it, you can keep going, but I'm done with this. So I'm moving on. I'll catch you later, you know, kind of thing. And you have to be okay with that. Like at the same time, you have to read that and go, Oh yeah, I'm kind of, I'm not really connected here. Uh, so, um, yeah, those skills get honed and can, can be refined over, over time. So what that's essentially set us up for now with all the challenge and all the struggle and all the awkward conversations and the not reading the person the right way, or maybe saying the wrong thing at the right time or wrong time or, so I'm not good at checking in with myself. Uh, <laughs> again, I'll put my head down and I'll just go. And this was a time where that type of behavior, uh, can be very problematic that type of attitude, you not coming up for air, the stress and then not mitigating that stress, the sleep. I wasn't oh. sleeping at all. I mean, there was a solid year, man. I didn't sleep. Uh, and it took a real toll on my health, which also I've said this before, like talk to a person that hasn't slept for a couple of days and <laughs> tell me what kind of person they are. Right. And then you get into a relationship, you know, it's, it's, you know, and the, one of those people or both of those people hasn't slept for a few days. Like it's, it's a tough situation. So, um, I guess the, her, she, there was constant checking in at kind of our worst time. And then what we, what we found out or what, what we, what we discovered and almost kind of rediscovered was how we needed to make sure we plan for that time and step outside and get away. And I mean, get away. Yeah. So hence why you've just bought the, the yeah, travel van. <laughs> yeah. So that was like that. That's kind of a, yeah, that's the result of that. I mean, we, we did a lot of road tripping during that time. Our business was closed for a year. Our, our, I mean, our, our, the doors were closed to our, to our store for a year. We fought, we scratched, we found an outside space. We tried to do it, but the business is just deteriorating and just being dismantled around you. And uh, there was nothing we could do. You know, as hard as we were working and man, we pivoted hard in a lot of ways to try to make things happen. The reality of it was, is we couldn't keep, we couldn't bail the water fast enough at that time. And so it wasn't a giving up. It was just like, we need to face the reality of the situation and step back. And in doing that and having to do that to, and being able to do that together versus maybe having somebody else that's involved in another business that maybe is maybe not even, maybe they're just inconvenienced. They're not even, they're not struggling or, um, you know, whatever situation we were in that together. We were in that boat together and we were able to stay in that boat together and, you know, keep it moving forward and keep it afloat. But we did that by taking time out for one another, uh, taking time out together and just completely disconnecting at times. Well, obviously this show is plus or minus an hour. There's only so much yeah. like even that, because I know more of the story, right? And I, I only know a fraction of the story, but when you guys made that outdoor space in the parking lot, you know, there's only a certain amount of time 
you know, the members, the loyal members will show up, but then there's only a certain amount of time where they're going to want to train in the cold. Oh dude, we had, yeah. Then there were the fires, like there were the, 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 the 2020 fires, you know, happened. Like that was crazy. They we had were, all this stuff stolen. We, yeah. Yeah. We were burglarized, vandalized more than once. We had the health department here banging on our door every day. Like there was like homeless people taking homeless people. shits right in yeah, front of your the, door. We, every day we were evicting the person that had claimed Jeez. residence in our doorway. Again, the health department was, was harassing us on a daily basis. And, you know, and then you're also dealing with all the customers that are, you know, some people are canceling memberships. Some people are like, dude, you know, this isn't the same. Like, no, it's not the same. Like we're, <laughs> we're, we're trying to keep together. I got employees moving out of the area. They're just going, I can't stay here and deal with this anymore. Like, it's just, yeah. I mean, the list goes on. That's the suffering. And, you know, choosing not, to, I've shared this story with you. Right. But that's the shit that happened. Yeah. Well, there's one thing that you said that I want to just like really anchor because I think the way that you, I really admire yours and CC's relationship and I've been fortunate enough to be a part of it and we've gone through stuff together. And so I really admire how you guys show up as a team. And you said something like, I couldn't do it without her. And I think for me, one of the things that, that I've grappled with and struggled with over the years is having been single for so long and really prided myself mm. on being a solo guy, I can do it all. And for a while, I, I would say like, um, maybe I, 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 I wouldn't want to do it with someone, but it, it was hard for me to say certain aspects like I couldn't do it without them. And there is truth and humbleness in that statement. I couldn't do it without because, and I've seen that with, with my mom and dad, like their skill sets complement each other so well. And genuinely, they couldn't do it without each other. And that team, that team energy is what really drives it home. Yeah, I th the, you're right. And what it did was it proved some things to both of us. Like we made it through another really gnarly thing here together. I think there's, there's strength that's gained from that within the relationship and with also within your skill set. Mm -hmm. And it put us in a position as we were suffering through all this and dealing with all this to, as we were sort of coming out the other side, I mean, we're, it's much different now, you know, the business looks and feels much different now. And uh, life is a little bit different now. And there's a lot of changes, a lot of things that have happened. And so that dividing and conquering during that time to kind of um, deal with all the, basically the putting out all the fires and trying to keep things afloat at the same time and rogering in Mayday or radioing in Mayday and all <laughs> all this and trying to have a life and all this stuff. Um, now, what, it, what I think what it really prepared us for was how to handle the business differently and how our roles have changed, not in the relationship, but within the business. And there's you know, there's a little bit more separation in terms of how the business gets handled now versus what it was before. There's independence in certain areas. And there's, again, it's just reinforced the trust of, hey, you make that decision, you make that call. Um, and, she, you know, like I know, this is not something Cece needs to deal with right now, right? This is, she's got other things on her plate. We can meet up on this later, you know, or whatever. And so there's a little bit more separation, whereas the business coming home every day. This is what's happening over here. I don't need Cece to know about this. She handles this part of the business right now. And there's there's a trust there that it's going to get taken care of. Um, and not because, not that there wasn't trust there before, but we used to handle everything like together, like everything got cleared. Uh, you know, if like we were going to ch change the color of the towels in the bathroom, it was like, hey, you cool with this color? <laughs> now it's like, I just come in and like, oh, that looks cool. You know, it's like whatever. And those are the, the little things. There's a lot less of the little stuff we sweat together. Um, we just take care of the bigger things and make sure we put people in the right places to make decisions so we don't have to deal with that. I think that's the key, not just to a healthy business partnership, but in romantic relationship is like figuring out what 
divide and conquer, just like you said. And there's certain things that maybe are enjoyable to do together, but you can really go a lot further if you really delineate what are the roles in the relationships and respecting and honoring those roles. So that person can one thrive in that and you can witness them and celebrate them for their contribution, their unique contributions in that and vice versa. Um, so I super appreciate that. What, what's been, where are you guys now? Yeah. So, um, you know, so from professionally, the business looks and feels a lot different than it did. And so part through all of that, there was some innovation and evolution, uh, of certain things. And, you know, I used to spend a lot of time on the floor with clients. I was even up till March 17th or whatever it was. I think it was March 17th, 2020, when the lockdowns hit Santa Clara County or Northern California. That was the last day I trained a client. I haven't trained with clients since. Was that set? Like you, nope. you, no. Okay. I knew, I knew I was kind of done. Um, and not because I hated it or I dreaded it or whatever else. I just knew that the business needed me other places. But more than that, I wasn't feeling fulfilled. I love my clients. I love that. I loved helping people, you know, in that, in that, that respect. And I still do. I just do it in a different way now, but I knew I was done. I just, I wasn't walking into the, when you walk on, it's like walking maybe onto the field to the court or the mat or whatever as an athlete and just like, yeah, you just know. And then it's just, it's not a burden. You don't, but I didn't want to resent it. And so that was just kind of like the, okay. So I guess I'm not going back to that. Like it was almost from, from being honest a little bit with myself, it's probably a little bit of a relief. It's like, okay, that this is the time it was kind of forced. And, um, this is the time it allowed me to move on to do many other things. Uh, and it left me, uh, wanting more because I made space like that was now gone, which opened up space for me to think about doing different things to find that fulfillment, which speaks to kind of where we are now. And I think with Cece, the same thing, this time gave her time to kind of think through what, who, what is this now? What do I do now? Right. And that was really scary for a little bit and I struggled, but one of the things that came out of that was uh, the podcast. Um, so the business as a whole, like it is roots fundamentally. It's exactly the same. Like what we do is we provide personalized services, uh, health and wellness and fitness services to clients that come in that have very specific needs. That's what we do. Right. And whether you're working on with a client one-on-one or in a group situation or your nutrition coaching, fitness coaching, that is what we do. I wanted to expand that. I was like, we got to get outside the four walls of this. Um, Number one is a necessity for the growth of the business and the survival of the business, but also because there's so many more people we could be touching. So we were able to put together an online platform and a couple of different products and services that we were able to provide there. The shutdown helped us with the space to do that. It introduced us to uh, different people and different things. I mean, you and I have had multiple conversations about this, this type of stuff over time. Um, but it also, it also forced me to explore different things and kind of be a beginner in some things again, which I hadn't been in a long time. I've been trying to be the leader and the best and you know, always winning. For me, it was a little therapeutic to kind of go, you know what, I'm not going to win right now. <laughs> so what can I be doing? And what are the things to get me outside, get me outside of business, but get maybe even outside of nature and things like that. So I was able to maybe get into some different hobbies and mention the road tripping and the van, which is like the most exciting thing in our life now. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, some of the things I, I did was like, I, I got back on the jujitsu mat, right. And I, you know, was the white belt again, getting my ass kicked. Uh, but in a different way, because every day I was learning something, I was feeling fulfilled and I was being connected. And I revisited my firearms training and some of the things that I do outside and, and, uh, which is a, 
had always been sort of a, an important part of my, my life and, you know, my practice, if you will, but I really hadn't been focusing on it for many, many years. Business and life and everything had kind of taken over. So I was able to do that. But the, the podcast thing, I was like, look, I want to talk to people like Mike more. Like, how do I get guys like Mike in front of me and get them to give me some time? And the podcast was one of those things that was kind of spawned as a way to give back. Cause I'm like, look, Mike's message should be heard by so many other people. Um, and every time I get with Mike, I extract so much value from him. Um, what if we recorded these conversations and we did it in a way where other people could listen and they could extract their, you know, some, some level of value, um, as a, and also as a means to bring brand awareness to who we are and what we do, which then feeds into the potential online programming as you know, we're helping maybe advertise your product. Our product is there too. And, and that was kind of the, but there wasn't a lot of direction. It was, there was a lot of, I would, I would actually say misdirected energy, but the, the, but the premise was the same and that was to help people. That was to serve the community. So that's one of the things that's changed in kind of how we've, how the business has evolved. And, and we've, we've focused on a few other areas. CC is more handling more of the day-to-day now where I am focused more on, you know, the driving of the business, innovation, putting the right people in the right places to kind of get the, the thing to move forward, irrespective of where Red Dot might be in the world. Spent the last two years really building an internal team, mm. marketing to operations, to communications. Um, again, from the day-to-day to what happens online, we kind of have like three different businesses going right now, if you will, uh, if you count the, the podcast as a business. So we're, we're, we're doing different things. We're doing different things. It's keeping us very, very busy, but it's also very rewarding because it's new. Um, and just trying to, I guess, kind of figure out the new, the new path. What's the new, new, Mm. the, you know, I know this about you and, and your intentions for the podcast, ever since you first told me you were going to do it, was that exactly what you shared? You wanted to provide value and you had a whole production team supporting you. Mm. And I remember you would say like, don't show me anything. No download statistics. Don't show me nothing. No metrics for at least the first year. I'm curious. Why was that? Yeah, man. Uh, (laughs) because I, yeah, for me, I needed, I, I, I'll just go back to, I needed to feel fulfilled. There was, there was a gap there for me. And so part of it was like my own personal enrichment to do this thing. And, and I wanted to keep the helping other people, but also my personal enrichment as the priority. And so I didn't want to be measured and measuring that from a metrics perspective. This was the quantitative stuff. I wanted to be measuring it more from a qualitative perspective. What was I getting from it? What was the feedback I might be getting from people that I know or people around me or from my guests or whatever else, or people in the field that have been very successful with their own podcasts and their own careers and their own businesses that I was either interviewing on the show or otherwise. Uh, that was really important for me. I just did not want to be trying to win at the podcast game. Mm. I've been battling and battling to try to win so many battles. I didn't want another battle on my plate. Um, and I wanted to, again, I wanted to be a white, I, I knew I was a white belt and I knew trying to be, <laughs> I use this, this analogy a lot, like don't try to do black belt shit when you're <laughs> a white belt. So, so go through the process <laughs> and I wanted to go through that process and it's been, uh, it's been an interesting one. A lot of learning, a lot of learning, humbling. This episode is brought to you by Men of Movement, my in-person retreat offering for men of all walks of life. In this retreat experience, we dive deep into many healing modalities of movement. 
from music to breath work, outdoor workouts, embracing the elements, and even embodied rhythm techniques guided by Yaakov Darling Khan. Many men today are longing to have experiences and honest conversations that fortify who they want to be and how they seek to show up in the world. In my experience, with that comes working through the intentional application of discomfort so we can become better versions of ourselves together. The next Men of Movement retreat takes place in Mount Shasta, California, October 27th through the 30th. It offers an opportunity for men to come together in a safe container to heal and grow in community. There are still a few spots available. If you or anyone you know would be interested in a unique experience like this, go to www.mikesalemi.io and click the Choose Your Path button to find out more and hop on a call with me. Now back to today's podcast. How has the podcast, because has how has it changed over time? Because where you guys are now, not only the topics, the types of guests, but the success of the podcast, how has it changed from when you first started to where we yeah. are today? Yeah, a ton. Um, but fundamentally, it's still the same. Mm-hmm. So again, going back to the business just in and of itself, it's, it's changed in that um, when I first started it, I had very little direction. So working with the team, it's like, okay, what are we doing here, man? What's the goal? Who's our audience? What are you trying to get out there? And I was like, well, I don't want to measure anything and I don't want it to be too, you know, they're like, dude, it's very hard to work with people when it's all idealistic, right? Yeah. They're like, well, okay. Uh, They're very good. Very patient with me to help me develop and get through my own process as well. But uh, I guess the point of that is, is I I wanted it to be more health and fitness uh, based. Um, but, but I wanted to talk to people that were providing um, information that might be considered a little obscure to a lot of people. It was less mainstream. I'd felt the the industry as a whole had just gotten really diluted. Um, and I'd see it coming back another way. And I'm actually really happy to see where the industry is going as a whole and how it's being, it's being policed. But I wanted to contribute to the policing and the kind of the changing of that, uh, you know, of, of how fitness and mark and, and the information that was getting out there was part was, was sorry, was how that was happening. And I had, you know, I thought the podcast was the best way to bring these people in. These are people that had helped me that I had worked with mm. and I, I highly respected and, and, uh, got a lot of value from and were willing to give me their time in return. And so that's where it really started. Um, and over time it got less fulfilling because what I found was while the store, the stories were the great part, like talking to people about their stories and listening to their their wisdom and their knowledge about their particular field or whatever was great. But the health and fitness stuff was just boring to me. I've been doing it for 25 years. Um, and so I guess that's the right word. I was like, I was kind of bored. At right about that time, that I kind of started to feel this and I was like, uh-oh, I've made a mistake. Like I've committed <laughs> to this thing. I've made this investment. I think I've made a mistake. I'm not sure what my direction is. My compass was a little bit off. I didn't really have, you know, a set point to get to. The events that happened in, in, um, in June, a couple of years ago with, uh, with George Floyd and what was happening sociopolitically and the quote unquote, mostly peaceful protests landed literally right at my front door here. Um, we're just a couple of miles from city hall. And while this was no, you know, Minneapolis or, you know, Chicago or New York city or anything like that, uh, what I saw was um, made me very sad, but it also put a little bit of fear in me. And it also gave me a high level of awareness of how unprepared I was for that particular situation. And to be very specific, I'm sitting at my home, which is only a couple of blocks from here with my my two daughters and Cece sitting on the couch and we're watching what's unfolding. 
just a few miles down in a straight line. We're on the same street as city hall. And, uh, I'm starting to, I'm feeling anxiety and I'm feeling panic. I'm also feeling anger and I'm feeling a lot of emotions. I think a lot of people were about what was happening and why it was happening and, um, how it was being handled and how it was being publicized. And, uh, th- that was tough for me as well. But uh, what I was watching effectively was the, the law enforcement agencies were handling this thing that was happening here very, I'll just say decisively, mm. very quickly with <laughs> uh, speed, surprise, and violence of action, for lack of a better term, which is how you overcome violence. And what that meant was, is it was being pushed. People were dispersing. It was being pushed directly into my neighborhood. And so again, we're two, we're two, two blocks from here. So it was being dropped right into our front front door. And I was, I was panicked and I was watching businesses have their windows broken, things being lit on fire, uh, vandalism and all that stuff. You just kind of allowed me to articulate a lot of the things that we went through. Um, the thought of me being a victim to this now, after everything that was going on, put me in a much different mindset. And, uh, I just felt compelled to come down and protect my business. Um, I didn't know what that meant. I just like, I'm not going out without a fight. Like I'm not going to have somebody come through, um, and, and destroy without at least being there to, to be a deterrent or at least have a say so. Uh, so I packed up my belongings that I knew I was going to need for a few hours, at least for maybe for a couple of days with the way things were going. That included uh, personal protection, some force multipliers, if you will, a couple of firearms. And uh, I planted myself firmly in the lobby of my store, which has got big glass front windows and is directly onto the street. And uh, I sat here for three days while stuff kind of unfolded. And um, fortunately, I didn't have to do anything. I think I will tell you that me being sitting in that window was a deterrent. And I was very obvious about why I was there and what I was doing there um, without, you know, over sensationalizing it effectively. I sat at the on the, on the chair in the, in the lobby in the front window with a, the coffee table in front of me, the TV on, cause I was watching the news, trying to kind of keep up and cross-reference where people were and what to might be, pre- be prepared for and a handgun sitting on the table in front of me. So anybody that walked through that window knew why I was in there. Now, reflecting back, I realized how unprepared I was, uh, both from a mindset perspective, but also from, you know, just a situational awareness perspective. What the hell was I going to do? Like, what was I going to do that? I mean, okay. So you have this thing, you know, these force multipliers and, you know, uh, I've been in some situations in my life, just so to speak, I know how to handle myself physically. What was I going to do? Like, what was I really going to do in that situation? And I didn't have answers for any of that. And that got me thinking a little bit differently about situational awareness, being self-reliant, uh, being prepared and in, in a holistic perspective, not just like from a health and fitness and a physical health perspective with whatever, everything else that was going on, but how was I going to handle this situation that had just been thrown at me? And so I was inspired to effectively take responsibility for that personal responsibility for that, knowing that even if something went down and I called 911, no one was coming. Hmm. No one was coming to, to help or rescue me. Uh, no one. And as you're watching a lot of the other things that are happening now, as the things unfold over the next days and weeks and months, you recognize no one's coming. No one's coming. It's not because they're not out there. It's because there's way other, way more other things going on. And so I started to train and I tra- train my mind. I started to become more educated. I started to get out and train physically in the field. I, I get outside and train. 
uh, on the on the firearms range. Also train medically, train with people to learn how to deal with trauma, uh, like in the field, like gunshot trauma, first aid stuff. And I'd had some, quite a bit of experience with that back in my life, but I or early in my life, but I I hadn't revisited any of it. Trying to uh, also being working with individuals that work in the fields of executive protection or law enforcement or the military in terms of situational awareness, uh, being prepared at home. What if the power goes out, right? What if, I mean, we'd already seen the ridiculousness that had happened at the, at the grocery stores and the markets with some of the supply chain. And that was very quickly coming to fruition again. Like what if the store burns down? What if they shut it down? What if I can't, am I prepared to number one, protect myself and my family, but also be a asset to my community rather than a liability. And so that took me on a different journey and a different path. And, and effectively, uh, the podcast now kind of has evolved into talking about self-reliance preparedness and preparedness in a way, just, and the kind of the tagline is, is being prepared for anything that life might throw at you. And that's, that's a lot of things, right? It's not just about firearms and fighting, you know, and fitness, but there's a huge community of people that recognized the same things I was recognizing. And as a result, it's a fast growing community. And there, when, anytime you have a community that's growing that fast, you have different thoughts, you have different factions, you know, and, and different angles. And there's this huge spectrum of people of, yeah, I want to be prepared. Some, you know, people look at it and they're like, these people are fanatics, you know, they're paranoid. And you get this other, uh, other end of it says, yeah, I am a 2A advocate. I'm, you know, go 2A and Second Amendment and Team America or whatever, but they have a firearm that's, they're afraid to touch. It's locked up in the safe. They don't even load it because they don't know how to handle it or they're, they're just fearful of it. And then there's all these people in the middle that are trying to find like, well, where do I fit in with this group, with this community? And so I was always about building community. That's what Red Dot Fitness was always about. And when I, so I started to join these different communities and kind of understand who the people were and what they were looking for and why they were there and, you know, what their sociopolitical views were. And what I found was this, this huge community of people that while we all may think a little bit differently, we all have one thing in mind, you know, at, at top of mind right now, particularly now. And that is we just got taught a huge lesson that we were not ready or that we could be more prepared and that we, we need to share with one another and, and, and learn with one another so that we can contribute to the whole so that the community is more prepared to deal with this stuff. And so that when something happens, whatever it might be, and, and again, this is not paranoia, this is preparedness that empowers me. It doesn't, I'm not afraid at all. I'm not afraid at all. If the stuff went down again, I would not be afraid at all. I would feel like I knew exactly what to do versus being overconfident or completely unaware, which may create some overconfidence walking into the situation. So the podcast has now evolved into talking with different people within that community, with the communities at large, and even these different factions to help bring the community together, bring awareness around it, have some civil and intelligent conversation about the things that are, that are going on within there, um, that go on within that community. So I get to talk with, and, but still keeping in mind the health and fitness piece, because I recognize these people were looking for those answers too. Mm. And that's what I can contribute. You know, uh, I, I, I'm the health and fitness guy. Like I can, I can help you with your workout programs. I can help you with your nutritional questions. I can help you with, you know, mitigating that stress and learning. And, and if I can't, I know tons of people that I can direct you to because uh, I work with them all the time uh, that I can direct you to, to help you with your situation, whatever that might be. And so there's an opportunity there for me to help the con- 
contribute to the community. And the podcast was a medium to do that. So it's in part, I half, I dropped two episodes a week or we dropped two episodes a week. And one of those episodes is very much health, fitness, workout oriented, um, very practical in, in a sense. Uh, and then the other one is what we call the after dark version. And, uh, we keep that, we, we call it after dark just because so people can understand when they're looking at it, you know, maybe in the, in the queue and Apple podcasts or in YouTube or, or wherever they're going to, uh, what episode or what this is about, like, wait a minute, he's got this police officer over here. He's got this tac- tactical medic over here. Who's giving lessons on how to make sure you have a first aid kit and you're prepared for, you know, a car accident or whatever else out there. How does that have anything to do with uh, um, oh God. I mean, all the other stuff that we've done, you know, with regard to like, what are the three best exercises for your abs, you know, or, or whatever else. So it's, it's evolved and it continues to evolve. Um, and as it has evolved, it's what I'm finding is making tremendous impact on people, which has been ultra fulfilling. Dude. Well, one of the things that, that was coming up as you were sharing that is, so I don't have a background in, I've done a little jujitsu and stuff like that. There's always been that interest and everything that you were saying that's transpired over the last few years has really lit a fire underneath me. So my brother, my cousin, and another friend, we're going to be doing sheepdog response. I know because Sebastiano (laughs) reached out to me. He's like, are you coming? (laughs) I'm so proud of you, brother. Yeah. It's awesome. It's time. And over the last few years, I mean, we've gone shooting together. Uh, One time we've gone on a sacred hunt, but really that situational awareness piece is gold. And if you could share a little bit more on from a mental perspective of mm-hmm. if you can bring yourself back into when you were standing here at Red Dot, what mentally now goes through your head from a situational awareness perspective and the power that has? Yeah. So um, I'm, that's a really great question. And I'm really glad you asked that. I think, you know, again, there's for those that may have a little bit of, of a tough time kind of wrapping their ha- head around what I've said and you know, what direction I'm coming from. Again, it's not from a direction of paranoia, right? It's from a direction and a, and a perspective or a platform of wanting to be prepared. And that's, that's a holistic kind of viewpoint, not just in, in a lot of as hot a topic as it is right now, it's not all about firearms, but there's a big firearms component to this. But, it, but if you're just going out, oh, this dude's crazy. He walks around carrying guns or whatever else, then that, that that's just going to shut down the rest of the conversation or anything that we're trying to bring to the table. It isn't about that at all. Um, it's a part, it's a part of the bigger whole. So in, in, in that, I guess in that sense, the mindset piece really is about, um, when you think situational awareness, the, the best way to get through one of these situations, these tragic events, whether it's a, a car accident, a fire, a flood, uh, a power outage, a icing over of a s- entire state. I know you went basically barely just made it out of Texas a couple of years ago when they were going through all that. hundred percent. Yeah. Like it's, it's, how do I, how do I, how do I become aware? And, or how do I become ready for this? So it starts with first off wanting to be aware. There's a, there's a, there has to be a desire and an acknowledgement of this shit could happen. I'm not going to walk around doomsday, like in my head going, what are all the bad things that could happen in this situation? But not, not ever looking at that is ignorant. So it, it, there's, there's first off just acknowledging that mm. this is that I'm not a crazy person, right? I'm just a person that cares about my personal safety as well as the safety of my, my family uh, or my customers or the people around me, but more, more specific, or I guess more generally my community. And so putting myself into situations where I can download the software mm. 
not the hard skills, but the software to kind of think through things. Like you never know how you're going to deal with the situation until you've sort of role played the situation. It's like anything else. Like if you're in the sales game or you're in the personal training game or, or whatever else, you, you walk through scenarios, you know, like here's a practical um, application of, you know, something you might, you might do. And it's never a perfect one, <laughs> right? Because real life ends up hitting you. You know, it's like going to college and like, okay, got my business degree. I'm ready to tackle the world. <laughs> and then you get out there and you're like, you get literally punched, you know, you get punched in the face like, oh, well, they didn't teach me this in school. Um, you can't read, you can read some of the stuff in the book, but you have to put it into your mind and go, how might I deal with it? Or what is realistic for me? Because the way this guy trains over here and the situation he's talking about over here, or this, you know, this thing like tornado, a tornado is probably not going to hit California. Do I need to really be that, that, I don't know, maybe, well, it's a little crazy out there, but no, but earthquakes, flooding, things like that happen. All the fires, they happen all the time. It's very similar. So how do I apply that to my particular situation? So here's an example. When I walk into a big public space now, and I'll give you a really good example. I was just recently in, um, uh, in a mountain town with my daughter. It was in the van. We were taking a road trip. There was an outdoor music festival. We wanted to go. We had the dog with us. I walk up. It's a margarita slash music festival, right? Sounds like a good time, right? We, in the mountains, we were mammoth. It was awesome. We get, in, we get in there and I'm looking around. And the first thing I do is just like, okay, this is going to be great. This is my out, this outdoor environment. There's all this great stuff about it. But let me just take a couple of minutes and walk through in my head what I might need to watch out for, right? Mm -hmm. So first off, there's tons of people. It's early in the evening and it's just starting to get more crowded, right? Well, where are my exit routes? Like if I had to get out of here in a, in a, in a, for whatever the reason might be, there was an emergency situation of some kind. Maybe um, I get hurt. My daughter gets hurt. I've got the dog. The dog gets hurt. How do we get out of here? Where are my exit routes to get out? Same if I walked into a restaurant you know, or something or, you know, a pub, another public space, like, hmm, where am I? Take a look around, right? And be aware. I'm walking out of the shopping mall into the parking lot where my, my car's parked across the parking lot. How many people are like just glued to their phone, swiping yeah. or whatever else? And when you look at how crime happens and how these incidents happen, it's oftentimes because people are just completely unaware of where they're at. So it's that situational awareness. Where are my exit routes? Like, oh, that group of guys over there has had probably too many margaritas. <laughs> Uh, that's cool for them, but I don't necessarily need to be there uh, or I don't want to be around that because, you know, things can get a little crazy. And so the best way to avoid these situations is not get yourself into them. The best way to not get yourself into them is to be situationally aware of what you may or may not be walking into. That's, that's how my mind works. Then there, then there's the walking to the next step, like, well, what if this happened? What if that happened? And again, not to be doomsday crazy out of my, my head, paranoid about anything, but I want to be ready for just about as much as I can be ready for. So uh, that's protecting myself physically. That's rendering aid to somebody that might need medical or first aid to somebody, my, myself, rendering it to myself, um, being able to exit quickly, um, physically being capable of doing all of that uh, while keeping my, you know, my wits about me and, and so forth. Uh, those, that's the mindset that I go into kind of my daily life with. And it's not something I was, I I've just come up with. I was always sort of like that, but I would certainly say the events and some of the things and the challenges that I've been through over the last couple of years and the, the way I see things going now, uh, you know, I'll just turn on the news, uh, has increased a heightened sense of that. And let's just say, increase my vigilance to that in my own neighborhood around my, you know, 
uh, with when I'm with my family out on the road, whatever else. I think the the environment and the unpredictability of where we are right just right now as as a society is one thing. And speaking from my own experience, you know, going to be a dad in like five months. Game changer. There's an activation of literally said without sounding, I don't even know, but just like there's a like a primordial switch that's flipped on from purpose to clarity to genuinely protecting. Like that's one of the big motivators of wanting to go to sheepdog response. And and my brother just had his second child and and our other uh, cousin, Sebastiano, he's got, uh, now he's got three kids. So there's, there's the father archetype, the father, the protector. If I'm doing a genuine and honest inventory on myself, one, I don't feel confident. And two, I don't feel competent if something were to go down. And it's, yes, it's about me, but now it's genuinely something about something far greater than me. I'm curious to hear what's what's changed internally. I mean, you are a dad. How has that impacted uh, just being a father and how you felt about that? Well, first, um, taking personal responsibility for myself and being more confident and confident in both my soft and hard skills, <laughs> right? Uh, so taking action, right? Going out, getting training, asking questions, uh, not leaving anything on the table, not being afraid to do that, building community, getting in touch with people that are black belts in in certain areas and putting myself in situations or training situations where I'm learning new skills and I can create, again, I'm downloading software, but I'm also practically applying it. But I think the next step to it, Mike, and this is the thing that, you know, you might want to think about is as you're doing that for yourself, the greatest thing you can do in terms of, in my mind of, sorry, you just mentioned, you know, being a protector, mm. but you can't protect them all the time, man. So downloading that's helping, helping your family to download the same software and learn some of the same hard skills, um, I think is, you, it's your duty. And so that's one of the things that uh, I, I've changed and just helping to them you know, my family or my loved ones or the people around me to be more aware of the people I care about. And that doesn't come with, Hey, you need to watch out, you know, because there's all these bad things that could happen to you. That can be a very tough conversation and, and a space to bring, bring people into, but, um, yeah, I mean, making them aware and hopefully helping them to be more situationally aware, uh, of their own environment and the things that they can do to protect themselves and be prepared for whatever, again, life might throw at them, I think is, is a big part of it as well. And that's how it's changed for me. I didn't even think of it from that perspective, which now seems just like so blatantly obvious, but that makes total sense. I mean, if I'm away working or just, just the, I want, uh, and Lauren, she's, she's a black belt in martial arts so she, yeah. and she's had some plenty of training and that sort of stuff, but she's got actually way more training than me right. if I'm being realistic. Right. In the, in the so self-defense here, piece. Yeah, yeah. So here I am thinking, you know, but, she, but that, uh, wanting her to be empowered, uh, to protect the home when I'm away and also too wanting us to work as a team. Like I would love to have communication. If something were to go down, if God forbid someone were to come in the house, what is the communication that we have? What's the dialogue mentally and what's the action plan that we have? That sounds now more imperative than ever. It's been now it's very clear to me. That's the software. And it's it's about having those conversations and and again, taking the time and the space to have those things when the opportunity presents itself and in a way that's productive, right? Again, not in a scary situation. If you, if you, if you build that confidence and you build that competency, then you realize you don't have to be scared. This is, this should be natural. These are very real things out there. Not talking about them doesn't make them unreal. Sure. And it, or, and it doesn't decrease the propensity for those things to happen. 
So yes, things like having a home security plan and maybe even having somebody come to your house to walk through it. Somebody that does this go, hey, here's how I'm set up. Can you give me some feedback? Like, where are my lights? Where are my locks? Where are my windows? You know, and how am I, how am I set up? That's the first step, not get a gun. Right. Right. And which is a lot, what I think a lot of people go to, like, look, most people should probably have those, but if you don't like guns and you hate guns, fine, don't have guns. But what are you doing? Right. And starting with things like that, that's that awareness piece and downloading the, downloading the software. Like, you know, you're up, we, we, we walk our dog through the neighborhood every, every night. So going back to the not thinking about it, like, wow, that just dawned on you that that seems imperative. Yeah. Think about this. I mean, how would you handle yourself walking out to the shopping, you're walking out of the shopping mall or the store or whatever, your car's across the parking lot and you get approached by somebody. What would you do? You know, if you're on your own versus now, what do you do if Lauren's with you? Mm. Right. And if you guys haven't discussed what should she do? Right. Um, how would she respond? Cause if you asked her individually, she might have a totally different idea of what that might look like than you. Why not have that conversation? Not that it's going to play out exactly the way you might talk about, but certainly having the conversation ahead of time, uh, puts you somewhat closer to the front of the power curve. Should something like you be faced with something like that. And again, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the, the things that are happening, they're violently happening in the street, but it's the same, like what if the house catches on fire. Mm. Right. Um, what if we're in a car accident? Right. And I'm, I'm debilitated. I'm, I'm immobilized. What, what do we do? Those kinds of conversations are, should be, should be normal conversations. But I, I think society and public has just gotten really complacent, very comfortable. It becomes uncomfortable to talk about those situations. Somebody else will take care of this call 911, you know, those kind of things. That's a dangerous mindset to me. Not the, what I'm talking about. A lot of people look at me like you're dangerous. You know, you're dangerous to society. You know, you, you have guns and you know, you, you know how to handle yourself. You, you train to fight. No, I don't train to fight. I train so I don't have to fight. Yeah. Right? That's the, that's the difference in mindset. Yeah. And, and, and that parallel can be made in so many different areas with like the priorities in life. Like I'm thinking one thing that's become very clear to me is by my birthday, which is December 23rd, or by the end of the year, there's a few things, especially before the baby, which is coming not long after that, that I'm very clear that I want to work on. And just like anything, like you, I'm going to be a white belt and I am a white belt in certain things, but then there's a point where you're not. Yep. Just like in the gym, there's a point where everything feels strange and foreign and you're self-conscious, you don't got the skills, but then there's a day that happens when you're like, oh shit, this kettlebell swing is, is feeling crisp. It's feeling yep. Yep. precise. And I'm not saying like we all have different goals and aspirations and time and energy and money, you know, uh, obligations, all that sort of stuff. And I'm not saying that I or, or we necessarily need to be a black belt, but we need to at least be competent enough and move beyond that stage of white belt. And that takes an honest assessment that takes courage, that takes curiosity, and even thinking just financial skills and financial management. Like that is one area of, of life that is absolutely crucial, especially in the times that we're in. And so if it's a conversation, not if it's something that we've avoided, and also if it's a conversation within the intimate relationship and the at-home relationship that we've avoided, when things get hard and they will, are we prepared for that? So this discussion that we're having of uh, the analogy that I've heard in the past is like, when do we fix a leaky roof? Do we fix it when uh, there's a, a storm outside or do we fix it when there's when there's clear skies? Because when there's clear skies, we actually have an opportunity. We're not in a flight or fight response because our decision, like our aperture closes so much when we're in that situation. And I've learned this and I know you've done this in the training environment. 
we fall back. What do they say? We fall back to our lowest our level of training, lowest level of training. And I've laid thousands of reps with kettlebells to where now I don't spend nearly the time that I did in the beginning, but it's so ingrained in my nervous system. And therefore it takes so much less energy That's to good. do that. Yeah. That's the same, same thing. Like again, walking into the restaurant, people listening to this that have never done this before. I walk into the what restaurant, the family, I take a look around, look at the individuals there, look at where, look at how the seating is set up. Where are my exit (laughs) doors? Those kinds of things. It takes me five seconds to do that. Right. And and that doesn't stress me out. It actually pumps me up. Okay. I've done my little checklist. Now let's sit down, eat some dinner and I can enjoy the rest of my time. Uh, and it doesn't take that. I'm not sitting there nervously, you know, like eyeballing the entire thing. I can stay now I can be engaged during the dinner conversation, right? I can put the phone away and we can have the, have the conversation or whatever, but I'm aware of kind of what's around me or who's around me and those kind of things. Things like, there's another thing like, sorry, not to beat this up, but you, you, I walk outside and I see people sitting in their cars staring at their cell phones. Mm-hmm. I if, leave anybody with anything like the car is a coffin. If you're sitting still, particularly now, if you're sitting still, you're a target, right? So don't do that. <laughs> like be aware of what's going on. And these are, these are things that I like, I tell my 20 year old daughter, like, Hey baby, when you're done with, when you're done with work, you got your messages. I'm sure you want to f- catch up on your, on your scroll through all your messages or whatever, your TikToks or whatever else, like do that at work, then go straight to your car and get the hell out of there. Right. Cause your car has been sitting there. Like it's, they know somebody's coming back to it. These are just little things to think about that don't take any energy. It's like, oh, I'm just, this is my daily practice. This is my situational uh, awareness. And you have been prepared through these other things. And pretty soon it's like, this is natural. This is part of my day to day. It's not, it's not work anymore. It's, this is normal. And that's what I'm hoping to bring to the table is kind of a normalcy in this and, and, and bringing it out there by having different guests on and, sharing my own experiences, uh, in different ways, whether that's through social media or in this, or this particular pat platform about what I learned, what was eye opening to me, uh, like what you're going to get when you go tra- down to, uh, with the sheepdog guys and Tim Kennedy and that it's going to blow your mind. You're going to, you're going to come back and go, Oh my God. <laughs> right. And it's probably going to inspire you to do the next thing. Like there was this one particular part I really struggled with. There was this one particular part I really enjoyed and I really like to explore this a little bit more because you are empowered. Like you're just like, wow, that was, I feel so much better. I didn't know I could feel the way I'm feeling right now. Same as when you hit that kettlebell swing for the first time, you know, gone through however many millions of reps you've done, you know, you hit and you're just like, wow, I'm in the zone. Like this is how it should feel. And it feels good. And that's hope. That's hopefully what people get from that. Absolutely. And, and one thing I've realized over the years is through more life experience and talking to people like you, you start developing just genuine, uh, you start learning and learning never stops. I'll just say that, but you start learning how to really prioritize what's really, really going to give me that return in like in health, right? As opposed to in the beginning or in the beginning of training or potentially in the beginning of these things, everything seems important. And it can be very overwhelming totally overwhelming and therefore it can be debilitating and then you stop. But at the same time with life experience and being curious and talking and putting oneself out there and having mentors and guides and coaches who have way more experience than us in these specific areas, then we start learning, holy shit, it's about water. 
It's about sunlight. Right. It's about sleep. Yeah. It's about movement. Fresh air. Fresh yeah. air. Just some movement. Doesn't right. necessarily need to be any type of movement, mm-hmm. but just some fucking movement. Right. And these, these keys and these fundamentals that you've shared about situational awareness, especially for me, is like a huge take home and applies to everybody in any situation. And that for me is now becoming clearer and clearer as a priority for me. So thank you for that. Yeah. I, uh, this makes me happy, right? I mean, <laughs> and that's the message. That's what I'm trying to get across. And again, I think you'll be, you'll be, you're going to be pleasantly surprised as, as uh, excited as you are, you're going to walk on. Uh, I know about that curriculum. You're going to walk onto the range. You're going to walk onto the mat. You're going to be like, oh shit, here we go. <laughs> and here's the cool thing you're going to recognize. It's just like walking into the gym. This is what I want people to know when they go out there. Like, dude, I could never like, what do I do? Like, I just go like, I look on Yelp and find a firearms instructor. Yes, that's what you do. Or you, <laughs> you do something, right? You take a step or you reach out to me if you're local or anywhere else. Cause I know so many people anywhere else, like you reach out to a resource and they put you in touch with the, with an instructor that can give you the knowledge. Right. And you have to make the first steps, just like walking into the gym for the first time and, you know, hiring a coach, like feeling intimidated, feeling like, Oh shit, like this is overwhelming. Yeah. That's okay. Um, you might feel a little fear, like nothing to be afraid of. Let's take this one step at a time, Mm. uh, find the right coach, the right environment for you and, and, and move at your own pace. There is no one size fits all to any of this. And I caution people to try to find that because that does not exist. Mm. Um, that's one of the great parts about this community as a whole and the spectrums of, of people and the people I get to talk to, I get to talk to like ex operators that for, you know, five years of their life ran around with the, you know, killing bad guys for that matter, you know, on the war on terror and police officers and the things that they're dealing with on a daily basis, medics, firefighters, the things that they're dealing with on a, on a daily basis, citizens out there that train other citizens that have zero LEO or military background and what they learn. And these people coming together to share the skills and the knowledge, there's such a wide variety of people that you can get involved with. You happen to choose, uh, uh, one that's, that's amazing. And have done a really good job with that at a lot of different levels. I'm really curious. I wanted to go. It's in December, correct? It's December, like 17th, 18th or something. Yeah, I like wanted, that. I wanted to go and I missed the, I missed the enrollment. Oh. But, but my point is, is like that you're, I can never get enough, right? I can never get enough. And as a good, as an amazing, the, the as an amazing coach that you are, you're going to recognize when you walk and you're like, these are fucking amazing coaches. There's right? levels. There's levels. There's exactly. Levels exactly. But don't be intimidated by the level to get into it. There's a starting yeah. point for everybody. And also at the same, same, same thing I would say with anybody starting their fitness program or whatever, ever, ever else, check your fucking ego at the door. Mm. Like, I don't care how much experience you have in all these other things. There's something to be learned here, extracted from here. And by the way, there's going to be people maybe standing with you on the firing line or on the, on the self-defense mat or whatever else that have varying levels as well that you can share with. And again, contribute to and get contributions from, even if they have way less experience than you, which ultimately equates to growth at the end. You said something earlier about, uh, feeling your authentic contribution to that community, one major one being health and fitness. I'm just curious what's next for Red Dot. I also want to just take a moment and just like, let me give you a little pound, bro. <laughs> just a congratulations on the uh, podcast and like seeing its growth and uh, even just these last few weeks. I'm genuinely like anchor moment right now, just so happy and proud and stoked for you. 
appreciate that. Thank you, man. Yeah, uh, the it's been a little overwhelming. It's a little weird because again, <laughs> you you being a white belt, like like I, maybe, and I'm still a white belt in jujitsu, by the way. So it's like I haven't progressed through that, so I don't really know what that is. But maybe I could liken it to like when maybe the uh, you know when your your professor comes to you and say, "Hey, it's time for you to get your blue belt," and you just be like, "Really? I, I don't think I'm ready for this yet." <laughs> or maybe you're the other side going like, "Like, God damn, it's about time." Been you know? a blue belt for eight years, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Uh, but for me, the, yeah, the feedback that the next steps right now are we've got a little bit of momentum going. We've got some critical mass um, that's started to, 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 to take shape. And that's due to uh, the people on the team. God bless my boy, Eli, who's doing so much work on the back end to get the message out there in a, in a way that people can watch and see and consume it. That's then driving, you know, downloads and we're sort of breaking new records every week. So from a metrics perspective, I am looking at that now. Um, and enjoying it. It's fun. Uh, it can also be a little bit like addictive because you're seeing things happen. Um, but, and also, you know, how do we do that while still maintaining value and not losing sight of what it is we're, we're trying to do and provide? Um, the It has grown. And so going back to like these two different versions, I think somehow we have to find a way to make it just like the Iron Sights podcast versus Iron Sights and Iron Sights After Dark so that people recognize it for what it is and what we are uh, trying to contribute to the community at large, uh, specific to the health and fitness stuff, basically like the preparedness community, if you will. And again, like, and I keep bringing this up only because it's such a hot topic and, 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 in, in the preparedness community, this is a, this is a, a mainstay, which is the firearms training and, and, and how much I advocate for get training, right? Mm-hmm. Get training, simply having it going out to the range, you know, one time every three months is not training right? That's maybe a little bit of maintenance at best, but get training. Um, I'm getting to, to talk to and get in front of people that has really led me on this journey that I really didn't expect. Um, and seeking knowledge, I've also gained relationships and been, I've become aware of things I, I wasn't aware of before that, like, why are we in the situations we're in right now, particularly as it, as it relates to like crime, um, politics, uh, you know, like our, our, things like our first responders are, are having to deal with out there and why as citizens on the street, we're not, we don't have the response times that we have, or we have the crime that we have, or why there are people shitting in my, my doorway or living in my doorway, you know, or why the cars are getting broken into or why I, you need to be more, maybe more situationally aware now than you were a little while ago. And one of those things just as of late, as an example is this, this month, um, and, and we're in the month, you know, I don't know when this is going to, when you're going to drop this thing, but we're in the month of September right now. It's suicide awareness and prevention month. And that for me about six months ago, unexpectedly became, um, I became very aware of through a podcast and an interview that I did with a couple guys, uh, Greg and Jesse from uh, their own podcast. They have a podcast called the Overwatch Collective and their, their podcast is really geared towards raising awareness for or, or of um, first responder uh, mental health and awareness and suicide prevention, and then also providing funding for people, for those in the, in the field to get hmm. the care that they need, because it's very hard. It's, and I, the, the public doesn't, I don't think understand, I know they don't understand this. I think they have, there's some stigma attached to it within the department, within the, the community of LEO and, and first responder, first responders. That's, that's LEO, that's fire, that's dispatchers, that's the paramedics, that's the, that even includes military as we start to kind of extend the 
the lines a little bit. And what I recognize is this massive need and this massive gap for this type of care. And these guys are working really hard to do that. And as a result of that, I got in touch with somebody reached out to me and then somebody else reached out to me and then somebody else reached out to me from the community. And I've been having these guys or these, sorry, guys, just these, these professionals on to talk about lots of things, but very specifically about mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back, like, I think a lot of the reason we have this, the, the, the problems that we have maybe as a society and, and within our, our culture in general is people don't have the bandwidth to deal with a lot of the shit that's going on. And so they ignore it or that's, it's not my problem. And they start to point fingers or they, they just start to kind of retract from kind of the realities that are happening around them. They just don't want to see it anymore. They don't want to talk about it. Mm. And this topic, suicide prevention is and uh, mental health has become huge. And I've tried to be an advocate for it and allow people a platform to come tell their stories and some pretty compelling stories told wow. and the, and the solutions that they've found, you know, through their own, own stories to help not just people within the preparedness sort of the, you know, the, again, the first responder community, because it stretches so far beyond that. And so when you ask like, where is this going right now? Like that's a big part of it. And it's leading to other things and other opportunities to talk to other people that people within the community can gain a lot from, not just from a mental health perspective, but I think that's a, that's a huge calling that I've felt, um, to, to get that message out. And with very limited experience with suicide in my own life, like I've never had somebody that's taken their own life or died by suicide. Um, but I'm hearing more and more stories and my friends are starting to share more and more of their own stories with me. And so that's one thing that's kind of come out of this that, um, and the feedback that I've gotten, it's been overwhelming. Um, like we are making a difference and people are, you know, like, man, I listened to that podcast, uh, you know, and I was having a really rough time and I changed the decision that I had made previously that day, like that kind of stuff. It's pretty heavy, um, to where like a, again, I take a lap you know, and just kind of go, whoa. And so not that it's all about that all the time, but the fitness piece, right. And the health and fitness piece is that contribution on the back end. There's all a lot of parallels that can be drawn between taking care of yourself, um, you know, physically and, and how you approach problems in life and the challenges and the suffering and the learning from the mistakes and all of those things, uh, that, that sort of bridge, it's kind of that, that lowest common denominator, in, in the community. And so, um, trying to provide more, more practical knowledge and things to help people because help people within the community as, as well. And that's what the podcast is doing ultimately is trying to fill the gap because going in the preparedness community, whatever, I'm seeing a lot of programming and there's a lot of programs being put out there by like Navy SEALs or SWAT guys or whatever. And that might be appropriate for some, a certain part of the population. <laughs> a very minute Yeah, percentage. but it's, they're missing the larger percentage. So that's what we're trying to do is fill that gap ultimately with hopefully some, some, some products that help people fill that part of the holistic approach to being prepared for whatever life might throw them. That's so cool, man. And just as you were sharing that, I was thinking back to just when I, again, five years ago or so, when I walked in the door four years ago and, and, and met you and just how far you've come, how far like my journey's evolved. And so to hear you and more importantly, like to feel you and to see and feel you light up, like yeah. <laughs> it's palatable. And so that is if, if, if 
going back to that question of what's success, man, like from my experience, just hearing you and, and being right here in front of you, that's a huge win. <laughs> that's a huge win. So man, thank you for everything that you're doing, brother. We went into so many topics, but if there's anything final that you want to share, brother, the mic's all yours. You know, I guess if I could leave people with something, it would be like, Hey, check in with yourself today. How are you doing? Mm. Right. And what are the things that you're struggling with? Let's, let's face those things head on. And the same time, maybe you're not struggling with something or maybe you're just not acknowledging it. <laughs> I don't know, but check in with your people, you know, check in, check in with your loved one, check in with your brothers, check in with your sisters, see how they're doing and where you can help them contribute to. I'll just leave it at that. But, and then, you know, obviously if, if people are, are wanting to find out more about Red Dot Fitness and the Iron Sights podcast, there's places they can go to do that. Um, you want to find out more about what we do sort of from a training perspective, just go to rdftrainonline.com. That's a great place to go or you can go to our Instagram red underscore dot underscore fitness. And, uh, you can go to, or at iron sites podcast. We have tons of, tons of content there. And one of the things we really, we're really happy about and love, uh, love that we're doing right now is all the YouTube content that we have on both channels. There's a red dot content or red dot YouTube channel and a iron sites, YouTube channel. Um, they both have different content. You might find something there that you're like, some of it's very entertaining. Um, you'll see some, some of the training that we do. Um, uh, and some of the, the experts that we've had on the show sharing their own, their own, uh, expertise, but also their own stories. And on the red dot side, you'll even find Mike over there. He's in plenty of our videos and a lot of our kettlebell videos that we have up there. So if you're looking for demonstration videos and stuff like that, or, or some insight to like kind of, uh, the, our philosophy and, and stuff that we do, that's a great place to find out about us as well. Hell yeah. Well, Anyone who's listening, definitely check out Scott, check out Red Dot. Just a gem, just a gem. So I'm so grateful that I walked in those doors years ago. The relationship has just continually grown and uh, just so grateful for your friendship, man. And, and so grateful how we get to show up for each other. So thank you. Likewise, brother. Love you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path. And I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours.